1: The American healthcare system is currently grappling with how to safely prescribe opioids, a group of drugs that can be key to the successful treatment of severe acute pain, but that can be dangerous, even deadly, when used long term for the treatment of chronic pain. In an August 17th article for Time magazine, Dr. Andre Machado of the Cleveland Clinic compared prescription opioids to an airplane that is easy to get off the ground but difficult to land. That's why the Cleveland Clinic is in the midst of a large pilot program for patients with chronic pain, in which prescription of opioids will be considered, but not as a starting point. Instead, the program will rely more heavily on physical therapy and mental health therapy, both backed by evidence for the safe, long-term management of pain. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, Dr. Machado and Ian Stevens, a physical therapist participating in the pilot program, discuss not only how the healthcare system must adapt in response to America's opioid epidemic, but also how the mentality of patients must change, shifting our focus away from the elimination of pain toward the improvement of function. Here's our conversation with Dr. Andre Machado and Ian Stevens. Dr. Machado,
2: in August, you wrote an article in Time that began with the words, opioids are remarkable. And I think that's a great place to start this conversation as well. I think it's important that we recognize why healthcare providers and patients have increasingly turned to opioids over the past 15 years or so. So just in a nutshell, what is so remarkable about opioids?
3: The remarkable thing about opioids are the acute effects. Uh, I wrote it in the context that uh, I had just had surgery and I was having a really hard time breathing uh, because of pain after surgery. And when I got a shot of opioids, I I could breathe, I could move, I could walk, I could have physical therapy. And in that context, the effect is truly remarkable. But remarkable can have two meanings, right? It can be a positive remarkable or a negative remarkable. And the long-term use of opioids, when we use it chronically, are often remarkable the wrong direction.
2: Yeah, as you wrote, you said for some people, opioids are a little too remarkable, and that brings us to the epidemic, which is highlighted by increased opioid abuse and rising rates of overdose and opioid-related death, um, also increased heroin use. As, as you take a step back and you look at the scope of the epidemic overall, what concerns you most?
3: What concerns me most is that we, t- we took this medication uh, that really has no, uh, Strong evidence uh, for long-term use, and we made it the standard uh, nationwide for the care of uh, chronic pain.
2: And so, opioids, you know, as you mentioned, they they can kind of open a door; they can enable things. So you mentioned, you know, you had opioids, and now you could get the physical therapy because it sort of took that sensation of pain away.
3: Over but a very short time horizon, so it happened in the course of a few hours, right? Right. So in the acute use, it can enable a patient uh, to get out of bed. It can enable a patient to uh, have a physical therapy the day after surgery. The problem is with the long-term use.
2: Right. And so on that, that term, so, uh, you know, we've seen increased use of opioids. In that time, are people getting healthier?
3: No. No, opioids are not leading to improved health of the population. Long-term chronic use of opioids are, in fact, contributing uh, to less physical activity, uh, uh, hormonal changes, and uh, worse overall health outcomes.
2: And so, obviously, you know, ending this epidemic isn't something that's necessarily simple. You know, the White House is focused on it, the CDC, the Surgeon General. They've all taken efforts to increase awareness about opioids and the negative side effects long term. Um, but you argued that it isn't the healthcare system alone that needs to change. It's basically also Americans' attitudes about pain, and it's basically what it means to kind of quote-unquote successfully treat pain. So, kind of describe to me what you mean by that. Is why do we need to maybe redefine what success is when we go in for treatment?
3: Because as much as we have hoped, opioids are not the magic bullet that uh, doctors will be able to prescribe and will make the pain go away for good. And then people will be able to live pain-free. This this is not going to happen. If it didn't happen, it's not going to happen. And the change in attitude is to understand that pain can be managed, pain can be controlled, but the primary goal that we want our patients to have is to be able to function and to do things that are important to them, important to their families, and important to society at large,
2: so when we talk about function, I naturally think about physical therapy and so Ian Stevens, let me bring you in now uh physical therapists really are focused on improving function um as you hear about the if you think about the opioid problem and you think about physical therapy as a solution you know
4: where where
2: is the where's the connection point there?
4: Well, um, that's a great question. Thank you for the opportunity to address it. Um, I think the number one thing we really have to do with patients is um, transform their their mindset. Uh, historically, uh, the, the, current con- the current medical system is a lot of passive treatment uh, where the patient comes to us uh, seeking to be, to be cured. Um, and we know that really, uh, to get the best outcomes, the relationship needs to become much more collaborative uh, with the physical therapist as an equal stakeholder with the patient um, to get the best outcome together. Um, and the, the buzzword for that is, is self-efficacy. So we really wanna emphasize, enhance that patient's feeling, being empowered, um, that they have uh, control of the situation. And, and there's a lot of different uh, techniques that we can use and I think that's where the skill of physical therapy comes in, assessing that patient um, unique needs and identifying up uh, what we need to do for them. Um, I know as a, as a patient myself, when I, when I seek care, you know, the questions that I usually want answered are uh, what's going on, what can be done, and, and how long is it going to take? So that's something that, that we should be able to, to provide our patients on that initial physical therapy encounter um, and reassure them. Uh, that it's likely that they are going to get better and that these are the tools at our disposal that we can use to try to help them get better. Uh, Finally, I think the other thing that we all need to work on as physical therapists is um, placing their patients' impairments that we identify on our exam in context with with their function. So I think the really excellent physical therapists are the ones that can really dive into a patient and help the patient understand exactly why they're being asked to do what they do and, and develop that relationship between treatment and function. And and I think we're learning in terms of outcomes that therapists who are, that's a skill that's not necessarily related directly to years of clinical experience or our certifications that the therapist has achieved. Uh, this is more of an innate characteristic that therapists that get good outcomes really excel at.
2: So to get patients to not be focused, to not see opioids as a magic bullet, um, to get them to think about improving function rather than just making pain be magically cured, for example, the the bottom line there is to sort of, to tell patients to not look for a quick fix. And that's an interesting thing to do in this era where everything we do and everything we encounter right down to our smartphones seems to be designed to make things easier and simpler. So it's one thing to say that that's the solution. How do we convince people to do that? And I'd like to hear both of your perspectives, but, Ian, let me start with you. How do you take a patient who's coming in who just basically wants to potentially do as little as possible to make the problem go away, how do you get them to buy into something that may take longer, that, may have, that, that gets them to focus more on function than on the pain they might be
4: feeling? Well, I think there's a couple of strategies that we can use. Uh, Number one, we can always fall back on the evidence and and educating them that we do have literature behind us that shows that we are effective, uh, and we can educate them that we are a low-risk alternative. Um, There are other interventions that that can be provided, but um, that certainly offer higher risks for side effects and other things like that. Uh, The other thing I think we just really have to really get better at is helping patients reconceptualize pain. So uh, I don't know who said it first, but whoever did said it very well, and that's that the fear of pain is often more disabling than pain itself. Um, And so patients, if we can help them understand what exactly influences their pain experience, that it is multifactorial, um, and that an injury is a part of their pain experience, but other things that influence that are um, their sensitivity of their nervous system, uh, their mood, um, and those are all things that are are directly under the control of the patient um, and that we we really have to get them to believe that these things are malleable and that can be influenced with treatment. Um, And if they want to get better, uh, we're a team, we're a coach. We're not curing them, we're providing uh, advice and it's ultimately incumbent upon them to determine if that advice is valuable if it is valuable, they need to implement it.
2: Dr. Machado, what are your thoughts on, on changing that mindset away from the quick fix?
3: I think uh, Ian has uh, really uh, hit the nail in the head and uh, explained this very well. Uh, the pain is not a sensation. Pain is an emotion. We are uh, trained from the very early years of our life to uh, use pain to protect ourselves against the environment when we get cut. We learn not to touch that cutting surface anymore, that cutting object anymore, because we're going to get cut again. So we learn to avoid uh, things that are associated with pain because they cause injury. The uh, skill to learn as adults is that when pain becomes chronic, it is no longer signaling necessarily an injury uh, to the body. It's, It's just there. It's telling us, that there is injury when there is really no injury, and this is the difference between hurt and harm. Uh, It is on us to learn that uh, sometimes there is hurt, but there is really no harm. And this is why we do not believe that our pilot should consist only of uh, physical therapists. They are the uh, most important uh, and common part of the uh, work we're doing, but we have paired the physical therapists with a group of behavioral uh, providers who will be the mental coaches for patients to learn that it's possible to move on and to recover from pain without taking so many uh, medications, without taking necessarily opioids. And by rehabilitating the body, Uh, which is the job of the physical therapist, while in parallel rehabilitating the mind and the perception of pain, we believe that we'll be able to rehabilitate people in going back uh, to their uh, work, to their self-care, care of their loved ones. In other words, we think that we're going to be able to rehabilitate people back into function, relying less on opioids.
2: And so just to fill in some of the gaps there, so you referred to the pilot program at Cleveland Clinic. I think you have more than 1,000 patients with chronic back and leg pain, and and the idea is to not necessarily eliminate opioids, but to definitely not start there. Is that accurate?
3: That's absolutely accurate. Uh, We believe that some of our patients who need medication may be non-opioid medication, uh, maybe even sometimes an opioid. That's possible. We believe that uh, some patients may require procedures, some patients may require higher-risk interventions. Ian was saying that physical therapy is low-risk. It's not only low-risk. Physical therapy is low-risk and high-efficacy. But some patients may require something else that's available to uh, any patient that we'll need as part of our pilot. But the common element of the, uh, of the pilot and where we're going to start and believe we're going to make the most impact in the lives of our patients is to offer them exceptional physical therapy and behavioral health up front before anything else.
2: And let me just point out, too, that that lines up perfectly with the CDC guidelines, which not only said don't use opioids as a first course of treatment, but also said if you do use opioids, you do prescribe opioids, prescribe something else with it. Prescribe physical therapy, provide behavioral therapy so that they're also getting something else, a non-opioid treatment as well. Um, Ian, you mentioned, you know, as you look at this self-efficacy model, Uh, Dr. Machado was talking about the emotion of pain. What's the emotion that's involved in overcoming that, of making somebody active in their own recovery? What do you see in your physical therapist role as people do become active in treating their own condition?
4: I I think you can say that very simply, empowered. Um, So as a provider, it's empowering to see a transition and mind shift from the patient. Um, And I think... And when the patient becomes empowered, when they understand pain um, and they understand triggers and how to reduce the the, uh, sensitivity of their nervous system, uh, I think they become empowered. And I think you can see that um, translate directly to their function.
2: Dr. Machado, going back to the pilot itself, when will you have results on that? When will you know if you're seeing the progress you hope to see?
3: Oh, we We know that we're going to make progress. this is a very proven approach uh, in uh, in medicine. Uh, the goal of the pilot is really to find out how to best deliver it to the population how to how to how to get patients to access this uh, this is, this is going to last for a year. Uh, we have uh, enrolled our uh, first uh, group of patients, large group of patients uh, in the uh, month of September uh, and by mid next year the pilot should be over and we're going to take this learning opportunity. Uh, to then expand it and know how to deliver it in all uh, uh, Northeastern Ohio.
2: And Ian, I, I don't know if you can answer this because it's a, it's a broad question, but are, are, are do people seem receptive to this idea or do they seem skeptical of this idea and, and hopeful for the quick fix that, that opioids were supposed to provide, in other words?
4: Well, I can, save, um, can answer that in uh, two ways. I've had an opportunity to uh, educate a lot of my physical therapy colleagues in our health system about this uh, approach. and They are tremendously receptive about it. Um, they think it's the right care for the right type of patient. Uh, they're excited about the opportunity to practice collaboratively um, with physicians, nurses, behavioral medicine, um, instead of all of us practicing in our own silo. Uh, again, when you have the conversation with the patient, um, I think that it's incumbent upon us to use our our skills at education. I think that's one thing that, that physical therapists are very good at. We get a lot of time with patients more than, than maybe some other healthcare providers might. Um, and so it definitely takes some focused education about the potential benefits. And again, you have to tie that loop together with what the patient is hoping to achieve. Uh, but I, I, patients are receptive to this, um, and they are open to this multifaceted treatment approach.
2: So let's close out with this kind of the same question for both of you. As we look at the, uh, I'll broadly call it America's pain problem, and, and I include the opioid epidemic within that, what what most needs to change to, to solve the
4: problem? Uh, Ian, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. I would start with reimbursement. Um, I really think that the way you change in the healthcare environment is uh, is payment. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, we're still living in a volume-based, um, for the most part, we're changing to value, it's taking time, uh, but until we get paid on our outcomes, um, there's still gonna be incentives to provide treatment that may or may not be clinically needed. Um, so I'm happy, I'm thrilled to see that uh, we're taking the first steps with this transition as physical therapists with the updated evaluation codes that are coming, uh, are likely coming in 2017. Dr. Machado, what are your thoughts?
3: I just want to expand upon what uh, Ian said. Yes, uh, I think he's right. Uh, Reimbursement will drive uh, behavior, uh, not only of uh, providers, but also uh, of uh, patients. And in addition to uh, getting to the point in which we are reimbursed for the value we provide, we then need to tie to the right metric uh, of how we measure the uh, good that we will do with our uh, treatments. And the metric cannot be a a zero to 10 uh, grade of how bad the pain is. Uh, This is a failed metric. The metric needs to be uh, the amount of total impact we made in the patient's life and whether this this person can overall uh, function better uh, or not after receiving the treatment.
2: Let me slide one more question in. Dr. Machado, your piece in Time appeared in August, I believe, we're talking in late September. Um, We've talked a lot about changing patient attitudes about pain. What was the response to the the Time article from other people in the healthcare field? How much needs to change and how how rapidly is the mentality seen to be changing in the healthcare system with all the attention related to opioids that's happened from the CDC, from the Surgeon General? Are you sensing a, a ground shift?
3: Uh, I had uh, very good feedback from uh, colleagues, uh, physicians, and other medical providers uh, in uh, changing the um, uh, metric and changing the uh, attitude towards what pain management should be. There is really uh, no pushback on that. Uh, Our frontier is still to educate the public and to have the public change uh, uh, its expectations of pain management and pain care uh, towards what uh, Ian has just articulated. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank My you. pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: To learn more about America's opioid epidemic and the benefits of physical therapy, explore resources at moveforwardpt.com slash choosept. Dr. Machado's article for Time is available online. For more podcasts like this, find Move Forward Radio on iTunes or visit moveforwardpt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.